Giovanni, hello, how's it going? Great, Sven, how are you? It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Doing good. It's a bit cold here in Croatia. You're my second guest from the States. Tomorrow I have a guest from Germany. So I'm flying all over the world virtually, not not in person, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. So um, you're a designer. But before we start, you know, talking about the problems uh, company founders have when working with designers, uh, can you give a little bit about yourself? How did you start and just about your experience? Definitely. I'd love to. So I am the CEO of Matcha Design Labs. We are a UX and product design agency. We are based in the US, but we are fully global and fully remote as a team. And we service some really incredible companies, primarily in the consumer-facing product space. And we have a specialty working with Web3 projects as well. So we really love being on the cutting edge of what technology has to offer. And we have an incredible team that basically runs the show. And I I just help remove roadblocks from time to time. And I actually started this agency, Matcha Design Labs, seven years ago now. It's crazy to say that as time is going on. And I've been a designer for almost 13 years in the digital design space. So started off with some really great experiences, working at larger companies, understanding how does technology work? How are products built? And how does the user fit into that? And to be honest, 13 years ago, the user wasn't fitting in very well. So there's a lot of changes that have been made in the industry. And a lot of things I still see today that I see as mistakes that people are making in the industry. So I'm excited for us to cover that today and also happy to elaborate on anything um, else that you'd like. Okay, so you started more than 10 years ago. That's that's quite a lot. Um, but I mean, throughout the years, you probably had many issues, you know, when working on projects. Uh, one of them is when, you know, company founders have a great idea, uh, but, you know, they don't know exactly how to define the scope of the project. They uh, think, you know, well, uh, it's enough to do this and this, but it's actually, you know, there's much more to that. So um, in, in that term, how do you deal with when, when a customer, you know, uh, doesn't, isn't sure about the scope of the project or, you know, just wants to do something that's that's out of the his, his or her's budget? It really depends on what you as a designer or developer or product creator are willing to work with and work on. Some people prefer to come in and have that fully defined. Some people are very good at defining that. So we have to decide as product creators, where do we want to sit in the process? And we we actually do work with teams in different ways. Sometimes when people are like, hey, I have an idea. Generally, this is what I want to do. I might help them scope it out a little bit and we end up doing a project together with milestones and timelines. But other times we see a company, they have a vision, they have a really great idea, they may have some traction, but they just need someone to come in and work quickly with them and be agile with them. They don't necessarily have a roadmap that is going to be permanent forever. They're a small startup, they're a small team, they need to be agile and flexible. So we come in and we are their design arm and we're able to be flexible with them based on that. So it really depends on where you want to sit as a product creator. The issue is 
when founders are locked into one product, one solution. They they find something they want to make and they try, they don't even have a solution for it. They try to make it fit a thing that they see out in the world that a, a user is having a problem with, but they just are really glued to their one way of doing it. That's when the problem comes in, when they're either glued to one way of doing it or they have shiny object syndrome. And that's the second piece, which is like, they're not able to commit to a scope. They say, hey, I wanna do this. I wanna build this product with these features. But actually two days later, they come back and say, I had this amazing idea. We wanna do X, Y, and Z. And it's our job as product creators to bring them back to center and say, hey, but what is your original goal? Has the goal changed? If the goal has changed, we have to rethink the whole project. So keeping the founders in line, the entrepreneurs in line is, a big part of what we do as product creators. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, actually, um, a lack of, you know, clear and stable vision can lead to scope creep actually. Definitely, definitely. And there has to be somebody keeping track of the scope. It's not good to rely on the client to do that. <laughs> They're just not going to. So we keep track of the scope and we know like, Hey, they want to do this extra page with these other things that was not in the original agreement. We're happy to do it. It's going to take this much more time and this many more resources. So that scope management piece is super important. Not just if you're an agency like we are, or if you're a freelancer, but especially if you work in a company as an in-house designer, because Either way, they're spending money on resources, whether it's internally or externally. And if you can help save your company from spending, wasting money and impact their bottom line, they're going to want to keep you around forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then you have to revisit, you know, the project objectives just to keep aligned with everything that's happening. I mean, with the with the business evolving, because as we know, you know, you might have an, an initial business plan that's going to change and lead to something else. So you can't, you always have to be in line with everything that's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, sometimes company founders have great ideas, you know, have a great imagination. They want to do this. They want their app to uh, look like that, but um, they need to be aware that some things are not technically feasible or they are, but take too much money or too much time just to, just to design everything. So it's really important to have a developer from the beginning of the project with you. Absolutely. And not just have a developer, but have a very good developer. There are lots of poor development teams out there in the world. I have worked with some of them and I have seen clients throw away their money because they made a poor choice in the development team. And after they fully designed an entire product, putting in resources with designers, our team, they went and hired a developer team that said, hey, we can't do anything that you said you wanted to do. And, and I don't even know if that product ever launched. I worked on it for maybe two years. It's insane to think about that much time, energy, and money. They wanted to have the product succeed. They had no income coming in for that company, but they needed to get that in place, but they would have just saved so much time, energy, and money if they chose the right development team, vetted the right people. And the part of the problem was they didn't have a technical co-founder. Highly recommend having a technical co-founder. Otherwise you're not going to be able to understand, are they good developers or not? You just don't know if you're not technical. And the second piece is bring in a technical mind 
early on in the process to say, hey, this is really great, but the way that the API is called is going to cause this to take a long amount of time and you're not going to get this data until this many seconds later. This isn't going to be able to show up in this way in the experience. And these pieces are really important. It, that was a simple example, but there is more larger situations that can cause the entire foundation of the experience that the designer makes to just break because it, of technical feasibility or the platform it's being built on. So not having that developer buy-in early or the developer mind in on the conversation early ends up costing a lot of money, a lot of time, energy, heartache, and then the design just becomes something pretty that you can hang up and frame in your office, but you can never implement it. Right, that's right. And heartbreaking. Yeah, and and you just you know sometimes you just have to start from scratch because everything's you know being set up, but not in a good way. So you have to be careful when 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 you're defining you know just what you want because uh, actually the, the other day I had a conversation with my friend. He said, "Well, I can do a lot of things. He's a front end developer, but sometimes you know." One simple thing might take hours, just and it's not gonna it's not gonna be good, you know, because you just as you said, you're wasting time and money. Okay, um, I I talked to a couple of weeks ago. I talked to an angel investor, and he mentioned one of the most important things for a company founder is to know his or her business, just know the product in detail. But sometimes, even if you know they they really need to understand their product. Uh, they don't uh, portray the idea to their designer. They think that that designer gets everything okay, you know how to do this and that, let's get onto it. But that's not the reality. The designer needs to know what exactly is, is, is the product for. Definitely. And if you're a designer listening to this, I say that you need to take it on as your responsibility to ask lots and lots of questions. But you might be a founder listening to this. And if you're a founder listening to this, you need to assume the designer knows nothing and start from square one. They'll tell you like, hey, I get that part, but I have a question on X, Y, and Z. The thing is, you're living and breathing your subject matter. You're thinking about it day in and day out. It keeps you up at night. And the designer has no idea about these big things that you're thinking about, that your brain is chewing on, and they need to understand that as quickly as possible and as clearly as possible so they can articulate that in the design solutions they bring to you for the product, for the users. It is just so important to have all these pieces in the designer's, in the product manager's mind, even in the developer's mind, because then they get to lock into the vision and that's what true leadership is, is can you cast a vision that other people can lock into and get on board with? So making that vision clear for yourself, articulating it to others and explaining the details, taking the time to go in depth and say, hey, this is how X, Y, Z connect. This is how they're all working together. This is what the user is thinking about. This is the five ideas that I've been really, really wondering how we can fix. And if we are able to fix these, our business will win in this industry. Those are the things the designer needs to know about. And when you're able to communicate that full context to a designer and to a product team, that's when you give them all the tools they need to succeed in creating your product, bringing it to life. Right. So, I mean, if, if you have everything well-defined, then, you know, you're going to get your product fast on the market. You know, and 
that's what you want to want to actually do. But um, did you? I mean, we probably had experience with uh, customers that had a great idea, but didn't provide. You know, the, let's say an example of of a product they want to design because they usually say, you know, I like to have this and that, but they don't have, let's say, a concrete uh, design of the app or something. An example that you know they they want to follow. So, how do how do you manage that? I will typically ask them for examples of anything they have seen that depicts the idea they're talking about. If they don't have anything, I will suggest to our design team that let's come up with a few different pieces of inspiration. Let's bring the examples to the table and say, hey, is this what you're thinking? Is this what you're thinking? Or is this what you're thinking? Don't make any designs yet. Just share visuals, ideas, examples to communicate Am I understanding what you're asking for properly? Then we can go into design. The idea is to design efficiently, to to communicate efficiently. And visuals are a really wonderful way to do that. We often like to start lots of projects with something called a vibe mood board, where we put together different vibes of what the visual design is going to look like for an app. And we're not designing it. We're not putting a color palette together. We're not even picking fonts yet. We're not just putting those pieces together haphazardly. We're looking at what are really wonderful visual examples out in the world, apps and their color schemes or uh, editorial examples like magazines and not just looking at products, but other visual examples in the world that look really wonderful that are maybe falling under a theme that we're seeing that could fit for this product. So we put those vibes together and then we present them to the client. The great thing about it is now this doesn't rely on the client providing examples to us. We have come up with 20 different things for them to look at and react to. That's the thing that people find easier is if you show them something and they have the ability to react to it. Because now that they have something in their head, they can say, I hate that or I love that. But I can guarantee you before you showed it to them, they had no idea that they hated or loved that. They're just not able to be as visual as some of us are because we think about this frequently. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I think it's not only with apps, it's like pretty much everything, you know, even, even physical, physical products, people sometimes are not sure what they want until you show them, you know, and it's, it's quite difficult to, to sometimes to understand what they want without, you know, them knowing what they actually want. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we help them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's why, that's why you're here. Okay. So, um, one of the things we talked about uh, before starting today was, you know, having a clear copy, content, what you want to have in your app. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, it's, let's say, we can, we, can, we can have an example. All right, so let's say you have an app that's completely in English, but sometimes, you know, all of a sudden, a customer wants to have the app in Spanish. And that's, that's where, you know, sometimes problems arise because um, those are different languages and the sentences or the words are not the same. So you might have some challenges, uh, you know, just bringing those two apps, I mean, because of the wording and everything together, because they might have a completely different layout or a wireframe because just because they have uh, different, different words. So how important is to have everything well-defined regarding copy and content? 
I think it's pretty important. A lot of people like to leave it off to the end and say, hey, I'll stick it in later. But the problem is it impacts the design. And like you said, a language change impacts the design. Sometimes words are longer in Spanish or any other language. And leaving it to chance and maybe hoping the developer can figure it out. Maybe they can. If they're a very good developer that's experienced, they've done this before. I believe very confidently that they can make a good decision. Probably working with an agency like Decode, they have experience. So you're able to say, hey, here is the outline of what I think this should look like and you can make the changes you see necessary. But if you're not working with an experienced developer or agency or team, leaving it off to the person who's actually putting it into the product is not the best idea. And what you're going to then create is an output, a result so that the client looks at and they're like, wait, this looks so bad. It doesn't look like what I originally looked at. Yes, because you gave me content later and now the content's completely different. So having that as soon as possible and putting it into the design is important. Content is a huge part of the experience. Messaging is a huge part of the experience. So thinking about it separately is not going to serve the product or serve the user or serve the company. And thinking about it together is really important, especially if you're designing something that is informational. If you're creating a website that is informational, a landing page, a sales page, those things are even more crucial to have the content. You need to have the content before you even design, in my opinion, for those items. So that is my strong recommendation is to have the content and copy ready as early as possible. Yeah, I mean, um, product designers often have to, you know, often have, let's say, a marketing role because you also have to think how to promote it. I think it has to look good. And, and in this way, I'm referring to copy and visuals because, okay, the app is nice and everything, but how are you going to attract more people if, you know, have, don't have, or don't have good copy or just good visuals? That's a really good question. It's part of it, the copy and the visuals, but even more beyond that is what is happening under the experience. And when somebody goes through the experience of an app and goes to the end of it, do they feel like what they want to come back again? If they feel like they want to come back again because it was so smooth, it was so effortless, it was seamless, it was easy to use, it was intuitive, it took like two seconds and everything worked perfectly. If it was easy to use and seamless in that way, I will refer to a friend and say, hey, this app is awesome. It helped me do X, Y, and Z, and it's so great to use, and I love how it looks. I will refer it to the friend. That's huge. That's how you grow network effects. And I will use it again. I'll keep using it. I'll become a power user. So it's not just lo looking good. It's not just having a good-looking experience. It is a good-working experience and then a good-looking experience. Right. Okay. So let's say you have everything set up. You have your visuals, you have your copy, and now you're ready to, to present to, to a client. Um, how, what, what's the best way for a client to give you feedback? Is it, you know, let's say Figma, email, Slack, because sometimes, you know, it, it, they may be scattered around and then you have to pile everything up and just, you know, figure everything out, you know, is this good, is this bad? So. How do you, how, what would you recommend to somebody who's giving feedback? You know, how, what's the best way to do it? There's so many different ways based on what kind of tools you use. We use Figma and we 
often we'll send a design over if we're not in a meeting. Sometimes we will sit in front of a client in a meeting and explain the design and receive feedback verbally. If we do that, we are dropping comments in Figma every time we get a piece of feedback. We can also send designs over asynchronously in a Slack message or an email. When we do that, we are sending a link to the Figma designs. We are sending a Loom video with a walkthrough of the designs as if we are in a meeting. Giving that extra context is very, very, very valuable. It helps connect the dots for a client that doesn't think in Figma like all of us do. Then what we do is we say, I would love for you to think about these things. This is where I have some questions. Point out where you want the feedback. Say this is in low fidelity, mid fidelity, high fidelity, wherever it is in the process. And this is the feedback I'd like. Please leave your feedback in Figma comments and I will be able to make sure our team takes care of them and addresses them. It's important to ask for the channel of feedback that you want so that you don't get feedback in Figma comments in an email and in a Slack message you know, by carrier pigeon, like whoever wants to send it in whatever way they want, you need to tell the client and the client stakeholders, these are my boundaries and I need you to send it in this way. Otherwise it's going to be missed. If I send, if I send five long emails and then also Figma comments to someone for feedback, do I expect them a really, really awesome top-notch person will read through all of it and filter through all of it. But in that way, you're making collaboration with you very difficult. So why are you making it difficult? Just make it easy. When you're a designer or a product person, send to the client and ask for feedback in the channel you want. When you are the person giving feedback, a designer or sorry, a um, entrepreneur, a founder, a stakeholder, provide feedback in one channel and be clear when you're doing that feedback conversation so that the person you're talking to receives it. Because it's not just about you blurting out your thoughts. It's about the other person receiving it. It's all about collaboration, honestly. This is not just, you know, designers and developers and entrepreneurs. Now this is how do we collaborate well with each other and speak a shared language? Yeah. So, so I mean, just define, let's say, focus on one spot for, for feedback. Because let's say I'm a client. I might send you an email and say, you know, I'd like to change this and that and that. And you might miss that email. And on the next meeting, I might say, well, I told you in the email. And you might say, sorry, I didn't see the email. So things might might get a little bit confusing regarding regarding that. So it's it's best to just keep, keep feedback on one spot because it's going to save both time and money, you know, designers and, and, and company founders. Okay, regarding, we, I mentioned costs right now. So we can stick to that. Um, sometimes companies, uh, when they, uh, look for design comp other design software companies, uh, they might focus too much on costs and they get different cost estimate. Uh, let's say this app might be $50,000 and the other company might estimate it at an 120 K. So regarding that, how important is, you know, cost, let's say, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean if somebody has lower cost that app is going to be of the same quality and vice versa. So what's what's your take on that? When finding and selecting designers to work with, whether you're hiring them or working with an agency or freelancer, cost is an important factor, but it's just not the only factor. It's important to look at, will I 
collaborate and work with this person well? Are they a good culture fit? Do they understand where we're going? Are they going to be able to keep up with the speed of the way we work? Maybe you are a big organization or you're a small organization. Each type works differently. And can that person thrive in that environment? It's important to ask those questions. And of course, asking about what their past experiences are, having a conversation with them, then factoring in cost. And of course, their portfolios, they have the right level of experience, gives you the best understanding of will this designer thrive when working with your team? It's not just cost. It's not just portfolio. It is also culture fit. And that's a really important piece to it that most people overlook, unfortunately. And they just look at what is the cost? What is the bottom line? And that's fine, but you're not getting a great long-term partner if you're doing it that way. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's if if you focus again only on money, you're not going to it's not going to go good because I've heard stories, you know, companies going, you know, picking the cheaper options and then spending money. It didn't work out. And now they have to go for a more expensive option, but it has, of course, more quality. But then again, they have to start everything from scratch. So you have to, you really have to be careful when, when, when picking your company. So many count, so yeah. many companies do that. By by the way, what you just described, I'm sure they come to your team for development because somebody did a bad job. They come to us for design because they realize someone did a not so great job, and and we're the people they come to afterwards. Like, hey, can you fix it? <laughs> so it's such a common thing. Yeah, because uh, a cheaper option might actually be a more expensive option in the end. Yeah. Okay, so um, when when you're working with someone, when you're defining a project, how do you define whether a project is going to be priced hourly or just because you know, or is going to be uh, priced, you know, uh, in terms of the project scope? Yeah, it just depends. Again, it's kind of like what I mentioned at the beginning. Depends on what the project needs are and how well-defined their roadmap is. Do they have a well-defined roadmap? They know they want to launch an MVP by a certain date and they know the general features of it. If yes, you can scope a project out really easily. If they only have one month ahead and they know that they have these five priorities to work on and the other priorities after one month are shifting, then working on a retainer basis, maybe at um, an hourly rate for a group of retainer hours might be better in that scenario. So it just depends on what the client's needs are, where they are in their process. Sometimes with small companies that are just starting out, we will do the retainer hourly setup. And other times, because maybe they have a team, they have a development team, but other times it's a really, really, really small company. They don't have much budget, but they do want to launch something for investors or for a beta user group. They might have a clearly defined project. And then we're able to come in and say, okay, we can do this, 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 and this for you in this timeline for this much money. And that's the defined project with deliverables. Then you come to like larger teams and they may fit into either category. It just really depends on the needs of that specific project in that uh, scenario. Right. Okay. Um, working with clients as many challenges as 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 we went through today uh but what would be your let's say closing thoughts regarding everything we talked today what would you say to let's say let's say you know i'm i'm a company founder 
I'm looking for a design company. I'm looking actually for a software company. Um, what would your advice be to me? You know, what should I look out for? What should I, uh, you know, where should I be careful and, and so on? I think the number one thing that I would advise a new founder is to be very, very selective about your team. At the end of the day, if you put together an incredible team, that's what's going to help you win. There's this really good book by Dan Sullivan called Who Not How. And it talks about who do I work with to find solutions to X problem. And when you're able to find really wonderful people that are able to figure things out, they are able to be resourceful, they don't mind wearing lots of hats, and they are A players, if you're able to assemble an incredible team of A players, you can build anything together. You can get anything done together because they are willing to roll their sleeves up and work on something towards a bigger vision. So that means choosing the right founder. That means hiring the right first hire and second hire and third hire. And it also means firing quickly when those opportunities or maybe not opportunities, situations arise. Uh, sometimes It's always... When something's not working out for a team and someone has to be let go, I always believe it's for the greater good because that person's probably not happy with the team and the team is not collaborating well with that person for whatever reason. And so sometimes it is an opportunity for everybody to move on to what's better for everyone else. But that might not be the best lens to look at it for everybody. And so if a situation like that arises, not prolonging, letting that person go, because if you prolong it, you're doing a disservice to them and your company and the rest of the people on your team. It's not fair. So making sure you can quickly identify this is not working out and then saying, hey, let we need to part ways. This is, this is why. And we really wish you the best. And we hope that we can um, help you in your transition to the next point in your career. So the team piece is the number one most crucial thing. Then it doesn't matter if you have to pivot. Then it doesn't matter if you have to make long hours together or work on something really difficult, make a hard decision together. When you have a team of A players, they are willing to be on board and they're willing to be team players and figure it out together. And that's when companies win. Right. So don't jump, let's say we can say, you know, don't jump, jump in head in first. So just just take it easy. Of course, don't take it too easy, but just don't make um, harsh decisions that are going to affect your project and ultimately, you know, your your success, the success of your company. Yeah, and, and making sure the right people are in place is going to help you do those things. Okay, um, thank you very much for being uh our guest on the roadmap uh i hope you had a good time and i mean uh how how did your year start i mean we, we skipped that in the intro but i forgot that for i yeah i wanted to ask you know how did how did q4 go except you know it was probably pretty hectic you know <laughs> did you did you manage to finish everything you know and 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 just uh, um did everything end well yeah, everything was great. Q4 was wonderful. We actually ended up kicking off a few different projects for 2024 early in December. So it was a great end to 2023 and already hitting the ground running this year. So thank you for asking. And uh, it's been such a pleasure to be on the show with you, Sven. Thank you so much for having me today. 
Okay, I hope you're gonna come again. Well, maybe in person next time. You know? <laughs> that would yeah. be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. Um, okay, that's that's it for today, and thank you very much. <laughs>